Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Lincoln Journal Star's Life in the Red podcast. Luke Mullen and Wilson Moore coming at you today, as you can expect. Uh, for the rest of the spring, our wonderful coworker Amy has decided down, to down a third. Yeah, decided week. to go on vacation and, and leave us here. How rude! Um, but hope she's having a good time. She'll definitely be tuning in. I'm sure. <laughs> I would I'm sure. hope so. Yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, we, we still have a lot to, to talk to, as we usually do, you know, our weekly episodes. Um, this one, you know, we, we have some brief football updates still. You know, spring football may be done, but there's always uh, some details that get out. But really want to focus on uh, the softball team today. They're heading into postseason play, Big Ten softball tournament. Um, still two weeks of the regular season left for the baseball team. But really big week coming up for the softball team. Looking ahead there to the postseason here in a minute. Uh, but let's just get into some football updates. Um, as it is this time of year, Transfer Portal uh, heavily, heavily involved. And we have some updates uh, about some Huskers who have entered the portal, where they've landed. Uh, first one of note, quarterback Richard Torres. He's transferred to FCS school, Incarnate Word, uh, pretty close to his hometown there of San Antonio, Texas. So uh, moving home close to the family. Uh, going down to the FCS level, that's where Torres is headed. And then a really interesting one, A.J. Allen, running back, who showed a lot of potential, four years of eligibility left. He's headed to Miami. That uh, I think that's a pretty good fit for him, a really good, really good landing spot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think in his brief time at Nebraska, which, you know, obviously he dealt some injuries and never quite got off the ground, but I think he showed he's an FBS caliber football player, if not if nothing else. So yeah, good landing spot for him and a program in kind of weird situation right now, but he'll um that's a place where I think he can go play right away and um do well. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I think that you know, it's it's hard to say the offensive style, you know, that every school is going to trot out there, you know, as we sit here in May. Uh but I think, you know, Miami the conference that they play in, um if you have a if you have a strong running game, I think that they'll be able to to do a lot of good things there on the ACC, but a big one that we really want to hit on, Casey Thompson, um, huge transfer news. You know, it, it shook things up a little bit where Nebraska's quarterback situation was at, and you're kind of wondering, you know, does he explore options, maybe find his way back? Well, that is definitely not the case. Um, we just confirmed a couple of reports today that he is headed on his way to Florida Atlantic. Our colleague Evan Bland from the World Herald had reported that he was visiting there uh, about a week ago, but... Fully confirmed today, Casey uh, committing there to Florida Atlantic. Uh, former The connection there is his former uh, head coach there at Texas, Tom Herman, now the coach there as well. And kind of an interesting one, too, because he'd been looking at Auburn. You know, there had been interest from a lot of other, you know, like Power 5, SEC schools. Uh, the Auburn won't, door kind of closed. Peyton Thorne, yeah. Michigan State transfer, goes there. But landing at Florida Atlantic, you'd think that's more of a, a playing time decision, right? Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it's obviously a place where he's going to go in and start right away, as opposed to Nebraska or a lot of other Power Five schools where he would have uh, where he would have gone into a competition. Interesting move, I think, at this point in his career. You know, it's his sixth year. You know, assuming you know he wants a shot at the NFL at some point, I think it makes sense to go somewhere where he can 
just get playing time because at a certain point, you know, five years in, he's put out a lot of just tape playing yeah. against good competition at Texas against Nebraska against Nebraska and you know he wouldn't have done himself any good to go somewhere and sit on the bench for the last year as he's trying to make a last impression so it's an interesting fit but I think one that makes sense especially given the connections with Tom Herman definitely and the Herman thing is interesting too because he didn't actually really get the chance to to play for him much there at Texas uh, mostly under Steve Sarkeesian in his time there and when you look at kind of Casey's history too, the amount of games that he's been able to play in versus games he's missed, you know, putting together a full season didn't happen at Texas in that year. He was their starter, obviously got hurt here at Nebraska the last season. So I think for him being able to play all 12, you know, maybe 13 games, if you get to the postseason, really important. So we'll see if he can do that at Florida Atlantic. And like you said, I mean, just he's a veteran guy. He's experienced. He knows how to run offenses. Like if you're a player of, of that stature, who's been there, you know, ran a couple different offenses, it's it's tough to sit on the bench. You totally understand wanting to get that opportunity. So looks like he's he's headed there, and we'll see what he's able to do there at Florida Atlantic. Um, some more updates here about what's going on here at Nebraska with the team. You know, we've been talking about this 85-man scholarship limit uh, for quite a few months, you know, before the spring, before everything, because they were at like 100 scholarship players. I mean, it was you knew that there were going to be departures, but you know, you're wondering, are there going to be some some tough decisions in the end. Well, uh, we were able to sit down with Matt Rule uh, yesterday, get some details about how this kind of off-season process played out. And, you know, he said these meetings that they have, exit meetings, I think that's a really cool thing that they do. Coaches just talking with the players, um, you know, making sure that they understand, you know, what, what their path is towards playing time, how they're viewed, all that sorts of stuff. So we saw that, you know, a lot of players made those decisions to enter the portal and Rule shared that Nebraska has made those moves to get under that 85-man limit, uh, enough that they were able to put a couple walk-ons on scholarship. Uh, today, publicly named them tight end Nate Borkature, uh, linebacker John Bullock, two in-state guys who both got a lot of playing time last year. Borkature, kind of a second, third tight end. Uh, Bullock there on special teams. We've heard a lot about him this spring. So really cool moment for those two guys, you know. Yeah, getting, getting past the 85-man limit, I mean, that was a, a major concern, but really good that they were able to have a, a couple scholarships there to, to go to the walk-ons. Yeah, a couple guys who, by all accounts, impressed in spring practice. I mean, in what was kind of a dry spring game, I think Borkature had one of the bigger plays. He had a 30-something yard catch from Je- Jeff Sims, and we heard all about John Bullock all uh, all spring long. I think Tony White uh, specifically mentioned him a couple times. Rule mentioned him once or twice just as a guy who had a really good spring and maybe forged a path towards some playing time. It's a crowded linebacker room, and he's played mostly on special teams, but he's an interesting one to watch going forward. Yeah, they both are, and like Borkature in particular, I mean, he, he made a couple of really nice touchdown catches last year. He's a pretty solid blocker, and you look at that tight end room too. I mean, there's so many questions about who's going to come in and, and have that immediate playing time in Nebraska wanting to use you know, two tight end sets a lot. So have to imagine he's going to have a lot of uh, potential to to earn, you know, earn his place and, and keep that up this season. So congrats to both of them, those details as, uh, as Nebraska gets under the 85-man limit. And another change that they had, kind of a an interesting one, more of a like facility yeah. update more than anything, is the outdoor practice field that Nebraska has. They're replacing the turf uh, with a natural grass surface, indoor practice facility, still turf, Memorial Stadium still turf, but having that opportunity to practice on grass, 
Uh, really interesting, Matt Rule saying he's looking to cut down on knee injuries. And this is something we've seen like NFL and college. Uh, there's been a lot of a push from players just talking about how it's a lot easier, you know, on their bodies playing there on grass. So interesting, you know, Rule maybe maybe taking that from his time in, in the NFL, learning a little bit about that. Yeah, I remember I think one of the first was Aaron Rodgers talking yeah. about that. And I think it is interesting to change that, you know, obviously they still have the indoor facility, but spending a lot of time practicing on uh, grass when they're going to be playing on turf for their home games. And I'm not saying it makes any difference, but we knowing, you know, the way football is and the people that run college football programs who, you know, consider every factor yeah. down to the most oh, yeah. minute detail it is interesting that he's willing to practice on one surface and playing on the other you know does it make a difference probably not but people at that level care about that sort of stuff so that was interesting yeah right? and I, I honestly have no idea off the top of my head but there are several teams in the big 10 that do have grass fields too so i wonder if that was part of the equation too like yeah you might only be playing like two games a year on grass but still i mean it is a little bit of a change and I'm sure the players could tell you this too. Turf on a hot day, oh, it's yeah. radiating heat. Oh, yeah. On a cold day, it's like it's hard as concrete too. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you, you deal with that with grass too, but a little bit, a little bit more natural, and you won't be walking around with uh, those rubber oh, rubber turf rubber. pellets in your shoes for weeks. So, <laughs> so after those facility updates, uh, a couple more details to share here in recruiting. Um, you know, it's it's a different evaluation period going on. Uh, right now, June is a really big time, so things are a little bit died down for for Nebraska's 2024 class. But did add a commit within the last week. Uh, really good news to see the sixth commit there in the class uh, from Liberty North in the Kansas City area, tight end slash wide receiver Keelan Smith, and a lot to like about him and what he brings to the table. Uh, first thing that you kind of think about is a lot of these guys. You know, some of them have history with Nebraska. He certainly does. A lot of family history there. His father. Uh, Neil Smith was an All-American defensive end, I think played over 10 years in, uh, in the NFL, a lot of that in Kansas City where he settled down. So he's had that connection with Nebraska for a while, but it's interesting. I got on the phone with him and he was talking about the coaching change, you know, how he, how he was really like building up towards, you know, maybe committing to Nebraska there uh, at the end of the season. And then, you know, the new staff comes in, he's wondering, you know, are they still going to be interested? Is there still a spot for me there? Uh, so I think credit to the Nebraska staff for, you know, reaching out, making sure that that relationship could be opened again. And once he was back here, you know, got on campus again, it was a, a pretty easy decision for him. And a little bit about kind of his athletic profile, really good pass catcher, uh, good speed, great hands. And the interesting thing, six foot three. So you're thinking that, you know, that's more wide receiver size. But when I talked to him, he said he's he's still growing, so you never know. Add add two or three inches, and he he may very well have a, a future at tight end. Yeah, absolutely, especially in an area that uh, I think moving forward is a little up in the air for Nebraska. You know, figure uh, they have Billy Kemp, Josh Fleeks this year, but the future is a little murkier um, at who's going to be catching passes. Yeah, good addition there. I yeah, mean, I mean he he could be an outside wide receiver very well. You know, compared to. The interesting thing is that he reminds me so much of Ismael Smith-Flores, who was a guy that Nebraska just signed in this recruiting class, like very similar size, and, and Smith-Flores is about two inches uh, taller than Smith is, versus, you know, you, you look at Smith-Flores' tape, and I mean, he's got like 30 high school catches. I mean, he's, he's a very raw player who just started playing football, versus Smith, I think he had like 60, 70 catches last year. 
uh, playing at a pretty good level there in Kansas City. So two players that are like at a little bit different stages, but have very similar athletic profiles. So kind of looking into what Nebraska, you know, wants there as that pass catching tight end or a potential guy on the outside and really good. I think, you know, just keeping up some of those connections in Kansas City. Obviously, he had a little bit more longer standing, you know, with his family, uh, having visited on a previous staff, but a lot of good players there in the KC Metro. So Nebraska adds one there in Keelan Smith and also adding a couple of walk-ons to really important timing, um, you know, kind of at the end of this semester, you know, players who haven't quite landed at their spot yet, you know, looking for potential place to play. Uh, just run through them very quickly. Statesboro, Georgia, defensive end Leslie Black, and Rancho Santa Margarita. Gosh, that's a good name for a town. Uh, obviously in California there, uh, the linebacker Jacob Bauer. So those two guys joining the program, multi-sport athletes. Uh, Leslie Black also playing basketball uh, for his school the last couple of years. Had some offers, FCS, Division II, Junior College, but I think he's, he's a fill, fill out the depth there along the defensive line, a lot needed, and then Really interesting to see Bauer. He seems to be a, a really talented rugby player, and I got nothing but respect for these rugby <laughs> players. I mean, it is that is a brutal sport. A lot Way of less lot padding, of physicality, too. yeah. <laughs> and you you see him, you know, they're they got like black eyes, their yeah. muscles are bruised. I'm like, you know, rugby rugby just uh, just a, a sport for tough <laughs> tough players. And uh, Jacob Bauer heading to Nebraska, former uh, former rugby player. See what what he can do as a walk on. So. That's all we got for a football update. Like I said, we want to talk a lot, focus on the softball team. Wilson, you've been following them for a couple of weeks, and this was a, a big, big weekend series. We kind of talked about the seeding, how it was key that they got to win at least one to get the first round by. And in the end, they, they did only get that one win and, yeah. and slotted into that number four seed. Yeah, they did. They got that first round by in maybe the least inspiring way possible. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, Lost two games, won one on a late error by Ohio State, and just a it's a team in a weird position entering the uh, Big Ten tournament because its flaws have been very clearly illuminated over the past few over the past few weeks. Its lack of pitching beyond Courtney Wallace, its lineup that kind of comes and goes through throughout games, and now but we have seen the formula for how it can win games. So that'll be the big thing going into the Big Ten tournament, which for Nebraska begins tomorrow. They'll play the winner of Illinois and Wisconsin. And ne they need at least a win for um, for an at-large regional bid. Um, I did some research. Uh, they, they have, they've won 33 games so far. Um, since they've been in the Big Ten, they've never been an at-large team with less than 35 wins, fewer than 35 wins. Yeah. So they're right on the border mm -hmm. um, of what they need. Um, they didn't make it in, like, 2016 with 31 wins. This is a long way of saying they need a couple yeah, to really yeah. feel safe on the, on the bubble. And the interesting thing is, like, you mentioned those struggles that they're having, like, all the games that they've played, like the last two to three weeks, they've all been so close, which, you know, on one hand, it's a mark of a team that, you know, can't really pull away sometimes. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, even when they're going through this rough period, they're still really competitive. And that makes you wonder, you know, the Big Ten tournament, too, because softball, I mean, single elimination, it is everything to play for in these games. And as you mentioned, uh, going up against winner number five seed Wisconsin, number 12 seed Illinois, 
Um, I don't want to write off the Illini, but just looking at their season, three of their six conference wins came over last place Michigan State. So not a lot of success against the rest of the Big Ten. So you're kind of looking ahead. You're thinking about Wisconsin, and that's a team that Nebraska played there in April. Um, I don't know. How, how, how do you think that they match up against Wisconsin? Because that was a, a pretty tight series. Yeah, all it, been. it was. Yeah. You know, I think so much of the Big Ten this year has been a coin flip. And mm-hmm. yeah, three three games against Wisconsin. Nebraska won two of them. I don't remember the scores off the top of my head, but one was a walk-off. A couple yeah, one-run yep. ga- one games in there. So yeah, we, you know, who knows? Courtney Walsh will pitch. Um, that's pretty obvious, but beyond that, Wisconsin won't be easy. And then, not to look too far down the line, but then you've got Northwestern looming in the semifinal after that. And that was... Those three games in Evanston were the low point in Nebraska's season. But you can also look at it as a way of they probably should have won two of them against a very good team. They blew two late leads. It's so just it feels a lot like Big Ten basketball where just anyone can beat anyone. It's randomness, flip a coin, and it'll be fascinating to see play out over the next couple days. Yeah, what did we see? Like, uh, what was it, 12 seed in the Big Ten tournament? We had... We had a couple, you know, first round yeah. teams, you know, that went a long way. So we'll see. Again, don't write off Illinois just yet. You never know. But as you mentioned, for those postseason chances, you know, looking at some different, you know, NCAA tournament projections, it seems like Nebraska is really one of those number three seeds, like last four in, first four out kind of territory. And beating Wisconsin would be a huge one because. They have a, a decent postseason resume, probably not good enough to get in, you know, without going on a run there in the tournament as well. But the fact that they're almost at Nebraska's level, you know, maybe just a little bit below in their postseason resume, uh, that would be a big win. And then obviously, as you mentioned, Northwestern, I mean, that's one of those top, top teams uh, that would go a long way. So that's kind of what they're looking at. And I think kind of the interesting thing, too, when you look at their postseason resume is this is when you kind of look back to the non-conference and you're wondering, okay, you know, what did they do in the non-conference? Like, are there any big wins to hang their hat on? Well, look at that Arizona win. I mean, that at the time you're thinking, okay, that's going to be huge down the road. And it, it definitely is now. They're one of those top, top teams. Um, you know, getting that big early season tournament, Clearwater Invitational, um, you know, fell to most of the, the top teams in that field. But the competition that they played against, you know, that raises your RPI in the end. And Big Ten, Big Ten's been a pretty solid uh, softball conference this year too. Looking at you know potentially three, four teams getting into the tournament. Yeah, similar to baseball in that there's a real just glut in the yeah, middle. Yeah. Um, at once you get past like Minnesota and Indiana, top two or three, you had Nebraska, Ohio State, Iowa, Wisconsin, all kind of separated by a game or two. Yeah, so <laughs> the margins are so thin, and as we mentioned, it's been a uh, some tight, tight games. So. They will get started there. It's the nightcap there uh, tomorrow night. Uh, that is Thursday. So a lot of softball action to come. And if they were to win that one, uh, they'd go back the next day again in the evening. Just that bottom half of the bracket. I don't know. I think I think you'd probably rather play a little bit later in the day than. Yeah. No, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to get up for that that ten a.m. Yeah. game to kick things I, off. I, I don't know who's a who's a morning person, who's a night <laughs> owl on the team, but yeah, That's right. you get get the ex, get the gravitas under the lights, the yep. kind of extra. Yes. Feeling, big it feels weird playing a game at like eleven a.m. That's no doubt. Yeah. So we will uh, we'll look forward to that. Wilson will have, of course, all the coverage. So 
follow him on Twitter, Wilsmore underscore, um, for all the updates from Nebraska's uh, Big Ten softball tournament. And with that regular season now completed, uh, learned about some all Big Ten honors uh, for players there on the team. Caitlin Kaneda, Billy Andrews, and Brooke Andrews all named the all Big Ten first team and more honors there for Kaneda as well. Yeah, yeah. She was the only player in the Big Ten to make all Big Ten first team, all freshman team, and all defensive team. So big week for her, big day for her after a big season where she kind of came out of nowhere. Um, she was, I think, kind of a late commit um, mm-hmm. to uh, Nebraska from their kind of Southern California pipeline Ronda Ravel's established over the past 10 or so years, just hit and hit and hit. Uh, ended the season hitting 382, was over 400 for a lot of it. And then the other two, um, no real surprise there, Billy Andrews, all Big Ten for the third straight year. Brooke Andrews, her older sister, um, had kind of a breakout season at center field. Um, so, yeah, just um, good showing for Nebraska. Yeah. Maya Felder on the all-defensive team as well. Yeah, and, and all of those all-conference um, you know, honorees, they've all been such consistent hitters. Um, you know, not not just doing it. Yeah. You know, sure there are peaks and valleys, but yeah. they've been doing it all year. Uh, great job to them as well. And then Abby Newland, uh, also the sportsmanship yep. honoree. So that kind of rounds out the awards. Again, uh, big big weekend coming up for Nebraska softball. There are postseason chances on the line, a lot to play for. And when we're talking about postseason chances, conference tournament, moving on to the baseball team, things are still up in the air a little bit. We've kind of been going back and forth last couple weeks, you know, wondering how this Big Ten stretch was going to shake out. And going on the road to Maryland, knew it was going to be tough, best team in the conference. I think you look at it big picture, winning one to three is really not bad um, because, you know, it shows conference tournament time. If they need to beat Maryland, uh, you know, to win to win the tournament, you know, perhaps to get all the way to the postseason, which they would need to they would need to win the Big Ten tournament. So shows that at least you can beat anybody in the conference. But the way that the series played out ultimately was not as strong as maybe, you know, just looking big picture because some rough errors, rough play in the Friday night game. Um, the Saturday game was the one that Nebraska did win, uh, kind of on the backs of the long ball, which has been how they've won games this year. So when the home runs are flying out, there they're winning. There were a yeah. lot of them all weekend. <laughs> the interesting thing, too, was uh, I think it was eight or seven home runs combined between Nebraska and Maryland in that game. Second most of any Big Ten game this year behind Nebraska and Northwestern, <laughs> uh, who combined for nine in a crazy, crazy windy day at Haymarket Park. So, you know, things are are going well when you have the two two games with the most homers. Um, and also, I think it's like top five most homers in a Nebraska baseball season all time. So the sluggers are there. But, you know, quickly going back to that Sunday game, Nebraska just gets destroyed 20 to five. Uh you know, bullpen day, you want your bullpen arms to come out and have a strong performance. But Maryland, their order is just tough. Like watching some of those games, I mean, they they hit one to nine. There were not a lot of easy outs. Guys just putting the ball in play, not necessarily looking for the home run like Nebraska always does. Uh, this is something that head coach Will Bull has talked about a lot, needing the offense to produce, not just on home runs. You know, they've had a lot of strikeouts too, which comes, you know, when you have that home run approach. So seeing what they could do, these midweek games have really been a, a tough, tough point in their season as well. And this most recent matchup there on Tuesday was a little bit of a mixed bag, good and bad, as it has been um, kind of the weird restart of a game. Always a weird situation when yeah. you're 
restarting a game. And it was even weirder when there's guys on base. You know, it's a, a pressure situation at the end. And Nebraska only plays one run from it's resuming, and then Creighton scores two in the next one uh, to win that one. And then Nebraska does bounce back, to their credit, 7-4 win in that scheduled Tuesday night game. So they beat both Omaha and Creighton once this year, I think 2-4 and four against the in-state teams overall. So really poor showing from you know these matchups that you expect Nebraska to do a good job in and sets up a really, really interesting weekend series. Uh, Penn State coming to town for three games. As you kind of talked about, softball, baseball, we both have these crazy log jams in the middle of the conference. Nebraska is one of five teams with 10 conference wins. And, you know, this. these are the teams that are projected to make the tournament, right? But you got to keep winning some games these last two series. And I think there's a lot of reason to be nervous because just got to take, I think, just got to take two or three uh, against Penn State because the final series that Nebraska has on the road at Purdue um, probably winning one of those games, then you know three of these next six, I think, go 500. That puts you into the tournament pretty comfortably. But the concern that I have is a couple years ago, Nebraska needs to go on the road to Purdue, needs to win a game to make the Big Ten tournament, and Rain canceled out the last game that they needed to play. Purdue was already in. They had you know they had no reason to to worry about it and it's Nebraska that got left out. So you never know what's gonna happen. I'm just gonna say there's some bad juju <laughs> with going on the road to Purdue last week of the year uh, needing to make the Big Ten tournament. So a little bit of a little bit of stressful uh, couple weeks coming up for Nebraska baseball. Absolutely. Yeah. So we'll see Emmett Olson, by the way, um, he he took a little bit of a ball off the foot there in that Maryland game, you know, kind of concerned about his health, seeing if he's able to be back to be back uh, for this Friday start. Bolt expects him to be available. Um, you know, maybe not his full workload. We'll see what that happens, uh, what shakes out there. So final home series of the year, final home hosting over there at, uh, you know, Bull and Haymarket area now that the uh, softball team, you know, is into postseason play. So that kind of wraps things up for for the spring season. They're hosting home events there uh, over in that corner of Lincoln. So baseball team updates, softball team updates again. Uh, those things will be going on this weekend, so stay tuned. Journalstar.com uh, will have all the updates. Wilson will be your go-to for softball. We'll see how many games they get in, you know, how big that is for their postseason chances. Um, and, yeah, that's uh, that's probably our, our pod for today. I think we, we hit on a lot of good stuff. And, we, as always, we appreciate all of you listeners um, coming back time and time again. We'll have a few more uh, for you this spring again following softball and baseball. Uh, perhaps some football updates to come as they always do you know season's never yeah, over yeah we, we even stuck in a bit about grass and turf today yeah. so there's always always something fun to talk about but like i said always appreciate all of you tuning in uh thanks for listening to today's life in the red podcast we'll see you next week without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.